Hello, and welcome to this week's episode of Beat My Guest. I'm your host, AJ Mass. If you're new to the show, each week I invite a guest to sit in the hot seat and field questions in a wide variety of topics, earning points for the episode on a scale of 1 to 100. For those of you playing along at home, you have but one task set before you, and that is to see if you can beat my guest. But before you can beat my guest, you need to meet my guest. So let's give a warm welcome to today's guest, Julia Novakovic. Julia, how are you? I'm doing wonderful. How are you, AJ? I am doing just fine. It is a pleasure to have you in the hot seat. You and I uh, interacted uh, as part of uh, Jonathan Oaks Trivial Warfare Trivia Olympics. What an event that was. <laughs> It was a good time. Uh, I apologize. I did not know that you guys were going to be there. I was I was gearing the difficulty of my questions towards that darn Andy Saunders. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? You weren't the only one. We were like, all right, Andy, let's see. He's Canadian. He doesn't he's not good at movies. All right, let's <laughs> Hi Andy. <laughs> well, uh, why don't you tell everyone a little bit about yourself, who you are and what you do and uh, you know, all good things of that nature. Sure. Um, so I'm Julia Novakovic. I am um, the archivist at the Strong National Museum of Play here in Rochester, New York. So um, I deal with the preservation of and access to uh, papers of toy designers, game inventors, video game companies, all kinds of really great things relating to play. So I have a, I have a pretty great job. Um, I am also the co-host of uh, Misinformation, a trivia podcast. Um, my, my better half is not here with me, so I'm a little apprehensive about being on a trivia podcast without Lauren, but we'll see how this goes. Well, uh, you know, judging on your appearance on a certain uh televised game show I, th I think you'll both be able to uh, handle yourselves with the equal aplomb as it turns out <laughs> i listened to your podcast episode about that i highly recommend the misinformation pod uh especially their, their little episode on what it was like to be on millionaire it was very 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 uh elucidating yeah that was that was so much fun and and like we said lauren uh didn't know she was going to be on the show until the day we were in the studio so that was that was a lot of fun to experience uh, well i've got a surprise for you here on the other no <laughs> <laughs> no 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 the hot seat is best served solo <laughs> as it were but fear not i have a feeling you'll do just fine let me explain to you the basic rules of the game here and in case someone happens to be listening for the first time and if you are listening for the first time or if you've been here are the rules of the competition there's going to be four rounds of four questions uh, in each round i'll let you know the categories in order that we'll be using for that round before i read each question you get to lock in how many points you wish each question to be worth get it right you get the points it is just that simple and there's also going to be a halftime bonus worth 10 points at the end of the game you'll feel what we call the confidence question which is your last chance to try and improve your final score. I will explain all of that when we get there, but we cannot get there until we uh, put that first foot on the ground in our journey towards enlightenment and elucidation. Mm. Uh, yes, I must say, Julia, this season has been uh, quite the journey. It is our alphabet season, as yes. you know. So each and every answer in every individual episode starts with the same first letter. It could be the first letter of a first name. could be the first letter of the last name. If it's a title, one of the words in the title will start with this letter. So unless I say otherwise, every single question will be answered with a word that starts at some place with the letter V for victory. Ooh, all right. All right. So I got a with, couple of those in my name, so it uh, feels good. Go. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so it's only appropriate to have you on for that. With much vim and vigor, then, I <laughs> present to you round one, where the point values, as always, issues well, are going to be one, three, five, and seven. And here are the four categories we're going to be using for our first round tonight. We're going to kick things off with 
audio hodgepodge, which admittedly is a bit of a lifestyle. And we're going to follow it up with everybody's favorite category of the season. Say it with me if you like. Only, only in Florida. Florida. Indeed, indeed, it never gets old. <laughs> Actually, half the residents never get old because they're already old. I mean, they've gotten old somewhere else and moved down there. Uh, fun, fun, fun. Uh, we're going to continue then with analogies and wrap up round one with music. But first things are first. Audio hodgepodge, one, three, five, or seven. You know what? Let's go with five. Five points. Excellent, excellent. Here's how audio hodgepodge works, Julia. I'm going to read you a question. And then I'm going to play a little clip for you. The idea of the game is that after you've heard the clip, it'll be much easier to answer the question than before you hear the clip. <laughs> uh, yeah, hopefully, you'll be able to come up with the correct answer to the following question. Uh, Julia, for five points, listen to the following clip. And I need you to tell me both the name of the movie and the name of the actor playing the part of the ungrateful son. People are saying you organize an all-night drinking party. That's why you boys dragged ass out there. Save it, Dad. Save it? Save what? You got the opportunity of a lifetime. You like football at West Canaan is not the opportunity of a lifetime. Your attitude's wrong. Your tone of voice is wrong. This is your opportunity For here. you! Playing football at West Canaan may have been the opportunity of your lifetime. But I don't want your life. All right. There sure was a voice in there that I recognized from my teen years. And that fella is James Vanderbeek. And I am confident in saying that this movie is Varsity Blues. Varsity Blues and James Vanderbeek, a.k.a. The Beak. Yes. <laughs> the Beak from the Creek. <laughs> yeah, you know, when I think about movie uh, commercials, commercials from, from, for movies that like have those quotes that just stick with you, Mm -hmm. uh, one of them, of course, is uh, Last of the Mohicans. Stay alive, no matter what occurs, I will find you. That one is a classic. And one of the other ones that I think has uh, stood the test of time is I Don't Want Your Life. From <laughs> this film, it is indeed Varsity Blues. It is indeed James Vanderbeek. And we are on the board with five points. What a way to start. And you were worried. <laughs> Excellent. All right. Very good. Excellent job. See, I, I, I didn't know if you know this is. I think that that's like a hit or miss. It's like it's either you know it's in someone's wheelhouse or they're like I have to slap out of what that is. <laughs> he may not want his father's life, but you certainly got the five points. And we're going to move on now to only in Florida, one, three, or seven. You know, <laughs> I I gotta go with one here. Yeah, I think that's playing the percentages probably <laughs> appropriately. <laughs> Based on how successful a lot of, of fellow competitors have been with this category, I feel like one is probably where I need to go. Indeed, indeed. I was tempted to switch it just for this episode only to only in Vermont, but I, <laughs> I, I fought that urge. <laughs> because, you know, really, what? The answer to it could be Ben or Jerry at that point. You know? Right. 50-50. <laughs> All right. Good luck, Julie, for one point. Here is your only Florida question. 19-year-old Zamar Miller nearly died on July 4th of this year when he accidentally kicked what in his Pembroke Pines backyard? Hmm. Accidentally died when he kicked something in his backyard. On the 4th of July, you said? 4th of July, he Fourth almost July. died. He did not die. I would not okay. make a joke about the, an actual death here, but he, right. he almost died 
when he accidentally kicked what? What could be in a backyard with a letter V in the state of Florida? Um, some sort of like valve, maybe like a water valve or something. Um, Viper starts with a V. I don't know if that's in a backyard uh, in Florida. Volkswagen. You know, I'm just spitballing here with V with V words. You know, my first instinct was like a valve of some sort. So yeah, I'll go with like uh like the um like a gas main a water valve a water valve i'll just like that a water valve is your answer you know you're you're not as far off as, as you might think you are not correct um i i admire the effort there uh you know if v it was an interesting letter to write questions mm -hmm. for you i think you is actually the hardest so far uh, believe it or not i think just how many unwords can I put in there? But right. uh, V uh, was difficult. Um, but I saw this story, and it was very recent uh, to when we're recording here, and uh, it caught my eye. Uh, Zamar Miller was in his backyard just hanging out with the peeps, and he was doing something a little goofy, and he ran up to get the garden hose. And mm -hmm. he kicked at the garden hose. Unbeknownst to him, there was, hiding underneath the garden hose, a venomous snake. <gasps> A right. venomous snake. Yeah, All it right. Was, it was a cottonmouth snake. I probably would have given you the point if you had stuck with Viper, quite oh, frankly. Man. Okay. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, suffice to say, uh, th that's that's frightening that the, the snake was coiled up. Oh probably gosh, thought it was right? like uh, his girlfriend or something. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know snakes aren't that smart. Whatever, I mean, they're cold-blooded. <laughs> yes. Yes, they are not hot-blooded because they're not foreigners. This is in America. Okay, uh, that was bad. I apologize. No, I don't. <laughs> I love it. Well, you know what? No one, no one, no one thought you were going to go through this completely unscathed. Yeah. Especially, oh gosh. You know, so only one point. It's fine. It's All good. Right. We've still got the three. We've still got the seven. Up next is analogies. What do you think? I'll do seven on analogies. Seven points for analogies. I am pulling for you. Here is your seven-point analogies question. Six Constructicons is to Devastator as five lions is to what? Six Constructicons is to Devastator as five lions is to what? Easy peasy. Ooh. Um, hmm. Constructicons. Constructicon, Devastator, Lions. None of these words mean anything to me other than Lion. <laughs> um, devastator. Uh, just kind of spitballing along these lines. They kind of sound like they could be like monster trucks or um, some scary robot thing that combines to become one thing like the Power Rangers. Um, I'm just picking the word Vindicator. And that'll be my answer. Vindicator is your answer. Uh, starts with V. Uh, again, <laughs> half the battle. Half the battle. <laughs> There's been a lot of editing this season of people who... Oh, <laughs> <laughs> ah, we'll get the answers. Oh, wait, that doesn't Actually, start that letter. Yeah. You haven't heard it because I love my guests. <laughs> it, it is amazing to me how you clearly uh, showed absolutely no sign of any confidence that you had any idea what this was at all. No. And yet... Your analysis was spot on. Very specifically, this is an analogy with combiner robots. <gasps> you said this. Oh, no. Okay. These are combiner robots uh, that 
that merge together to form a, a greater uh, mechanical robot. It is a it is a actually a form of uh, of manga uh, of anime. Okay. It, it is a standard kind of thing there, and the six constructicons uh, is in the Transformers world. Mm-hmm. Uh, they merge together to form the uh, six constructicons into one huge devastator. Okay. Uh, uh, it was in one of the Transformer movies. I don't really pay attention to it, but <laughs> um, so five lions. Similarly, uh, they merge together to form one super robot. This is a cartoon from Japan, uh, and it is called Voltron. Voltron. I've heard of Voltron. I didn't but, know what it was, but yeah. I, that word has at least entered my uh, atmosphere at some point. It's almost like a it's, it's almost like a sister to, to the Power Rangers. It's oh, in that same okay. kind of world. So when you said Power Rangers, you were totally <laughs> in the right ballpark there, even though you had no idea because it was dark out. <laughs> I need that bouncing off ideas thing. Yeah. <laughs> Very true. Which is why I separated you. Otherwise, you'd go sixteen <laughs> for sixteen. <laughs> Uh, indeed. Well, you know what? A valiant, valiant, be valiant, valiant effort there, because, like I said, you were all over that. Uh, but yeah, it's it's a bit of niche knowledge, absolutely. Okay. But nonetheless, there is still one question left in this round. Still another opportunity to get more points. And I'm saying more points, not some points. That's so. Uh, to have some points. Yes, exactly. Three points for music. Are you ready? I'm ready. Here we go. Four, three points in music. One of this artist's biggest hits was a song about a location that was made famous on Seinfeld. Even though this song was written on November 18th, 1981, long before that show became ubiquitous. Who is it? I know this. So Seinfeld is one of my favorite shows, as it is many of our trivia people's favorite shows. Um, So Seinfeld was filmed at Tom's Diner in um, in New York City, and Suzanne Vega is the singer of Tom's Diner. The answer is Suzanne Vega. Suzanne Vega is your answer. So uh, Seinfeld had a lot of famous locations, uh, certainly, uh, throughout the course of the run. And obviously, you know, we had the Soup Nazi, which took place, it was a real, real person. They, they just kind of adapted it. But, you know... No one really knows the name of that soup place. <laughs> uh, you know, they uh, certainly went uh, to Broadway shows. They went to Broadway theaters, but that's not what we're talking about either. No, we are talking, of course, about Monk's Cafe, which mm-hmm. is what was on the show. Uh, but the actual image that said restaurant that they always sat in was indeed Tom's Diner in New York City. There we go. We get on beat. Suzanne Vega, probably uh, Tom's Diner, and maybe Luca. Uh, not too many okay. people, and not too many people are, are, are left of center. But you know, I'm, I'm a, it's from my era, so I know that stuff. But you knew it as well, Suzanne Vega. Uh, three points for you. Oh, well done. Thank you. So after round one, you are sitting on eight points, and you got half the points that out there. <laughs> Excellent job. Eight of sixteen. How you feeling now that you got that one round? Okay, I feel I feel better. I have points. That's really, <laughs> that was really my goal, you know? <laughs> uh, bucket list check. Yeah. <laughs> Excellent job. Well, I think you're going to get many more points. I hope you get many more points anyway. Uh, and there's many more opportunities for points uh, still ahead. And round two, those point values are going to increase. They're going to go up to two, four, six, and eight. Here are the categories we're going to be using in round two. Kicking things off with literature. Moving along to history. Followed up with potpourri. 
And we're going to wrap up the first half with Around the World. Literature is on tap first. Two, four, six, or eight? Mm, let's do six. Six points. Are we a heavy reader? I am, in fact. Yes. Excellent. I was much more of a heavy reader when I was not working from home, when I had a commute. And oh, <laughs> yeah. Taking public transportation back when I lived in New York City. A lot of reading. Since mm-hmm. then, not so much reading. But <laughs> that's neither here nor there, although it got me from here to there because it was a commute. Anyway, <sighs> enough rambling, AJ. <laughs> Here's your six-point literature question. Les Liaisons Dangereuses was a novel by Pierre Chaudelot de Laclos. It was penned in the 1780s. What is the name of the seductive main character who would later be portrayed in multiple film adaptations of this book by John Malkovich, Colin Firth, and Ryan Philippe? Yeah. So I was a, a French major in college, and I definitely read this book. Um, and I love Cruel Intentions. It's one of my favorite movies. Um, so Ryan Philippe's character was named Sebastian. And their last name in that movie started with a V. It's like, it's not Valjean. It might be Valois, Val, Sebastian. So his sister's name in that was Catherine. I'm really ignoring the French book part and thinking more about the Cruel Intentions movie. (laughs) Um, Valois, Val, 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 Valois. I'm just I'm just stuck on Valois right now. Yeah, that'll that'll be my answer. We'll go with Valois. Valois is your answer. Now, the interesting thing here, of course, is that Sebastian, as you said, was indeed Ryan Philippe's <laughs> character's first name. It was not Sebastian in uh, right. you know, either Dangerous Liaisons or the Colin Firth movie version of this, in which was just called by the character's name, which is why okay. I didn't just say it's just there. Mm-hmm. Uh, he. He was a Viscount, or Viscount, depending on how you want to pronounce it. Of course, it's French, so it was Vicomte. <laughs> and the family name, as you said, began with a V. It was the Vicomte de Valmont. Valmont! Oh! Valmont, yes. Colin Firth start mm, in so Valmont, close. which was yet another retelling of this story. I, I did enjoy Cruel Intentions as well, although <laughs> uh, I really wish that Ryan Philippe would actually open his jaw when he talks. That's true. His, his, like like mm-hmm. his jaw doesn't work, and he just talks like this. <laughs> 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 She's looking beautiful this evening. If I if I would have been with Lauren and I would have said that, she would have went, I don't know if that's it. And then we would have talked it through some more. It's fine. See? <laughs> I'm, I'm just trying to experiment here because at some point I'm going to get Lauren to, to agree to be in the hot seat there. And I guarantee you she's going to get, not only is she going to get the exact same score you get, but she's going to get all the all the questions that you didn't get in exactly. those categories. Just, I guarantee yeah. that's what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, so close. So, so close. It's okay. All right. It's all right. Shake it off. Shake it off. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. History is up next. Two points, four points, or eight points? I'll do eight on history. Eight points for history. Good luck. Here is your question. German aristocrat Klaus Schenk Graf von Stauffenberg packed a bomb into a briefcase on July 20th, 1944, in an effort to execute what top secret plan? I have Project Valkyrie or Operation Valkyrie is just... just Came into my brain. Um, yeah, I'm going to say Valkyrie. 
Valkyrie is your answer. Any rationale behind that or just a complete spontaneous pop and nothing behind it? A little bit of a pop, but I remember um, when I w- we did a podcast episode on generals and we talked a little bit about the different operations that were planned during World War II, just like briefly glazed over them. And um, this this word, I think, was one of them. So, yeah, Valkyrie. Valkyrie, Valkyrie. Uh, so yes, the uh, Germans uh, had a lot of secret plans, and this is you know World War II, so a lot of stuff was going on. Uh, they were kind of busy. Most of them were busy being real big jerks, including uh, uh, the head jerk of them all, uh, Mr. Adolf. Uh, uh-huh. And uh, well, uh, there were a bunch of Germans who uh, were not, believe it or not, hashtag not all Germans. <laughs> Some of them were were anti-Hitler, and so uh, he had hatched this secret plan where they were going to uh, pack a bomb in a briefcase and try to assassinate Hitler, Uh, and they brought the bomb to the place where they knew Hitler was going to be, and it didn't explode at the right time, Mm -hmm. and so Hitler got away, made a movie about this with Tom Cruise, and the name of that movie was Valkyrie. Operation Valkyrie, Valkyrie, you are correct. Eight points for you. Well done. Thank you. That's good. Felt good to just get one of those right in the brain. Indeed, indeed. That, that, that's always great when when something just pops into your head. It's, it beats the opposite where it's like it's in there. It's the guy who was in the thing with the place and the people that we – Tuesday at 7.15, I saw him and I said to him this. <laughs> it was on the left side of the page, like halfway down. Yeah. Oh, you just described how I passed French in high school. <laughs> Ah, the photographic memory I used to have. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's amazing. You, you go past 40 and then <laughs> downhill. <laughs> Don't get old, because then you're just going to move to Florida and contribute to that category. Anyway, Potpourri is up next. We have two points. We have four points. What say ye? You know, I'll do two on Potpourri. Two on Potpourri. Could be just about anything. Let's see what I came up with this time. Even I'm curious. Here is your two-point <laughs> question. What name? was given to the only full-time clergy of a Roman deity, caring for sacred objects and planning feasts and sacrifices while serving out 30-year terms. 30-year terms. Okay, like a Roman deity, if I'm trying to think of like Roman um, gods and goddesses, you have like uh, you had Venus and Vespa. Vespers is a thing. In church. Um, I don't know anything about a 30-year term of anything, though. Um, Vesta, not Vespa. Vesta. I don't know. But Vesper sounds like something churchy. So I'm going to go with Vesper. Vesper. It, it, well, Vesper is something churchy. You are absolutely correct. Don't, don't. <laughs> I, was, I was just very glad you caught yourself so I don't have to make fun of you because yeah. Vesper is a scooter. Yeah. <laughs> Little motorcycle, vroom vroom. <laughs> but you know, you caught yourself. Uh, yeah. Vesta is, in fact, the Roman deity that we are talking about. Uh, basically, they would pick out girls who were between the ages of six and ten, uh, and they would use four to six of them at a time. So when someone was getting uh, to the age of re- retirement, they would have to pick their own successor, and they'd, they'd find some girl in town. And uh, well, there was no question at that age uh, okay. that they were Vestal virgins. Mm-hmm. Vestal virgins, and they would stay that way, uh, taking a vow to serve uh, Vesta and uh, Vesta. Yeah. take care of things for thirty. After the thirty years, they were free to <laughs> <laughs> tramp it up as much as they wanted to. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah, I got stuck on like just like a church word instead of thinking more about like dealing with the deities. So, 
Birmingham. Yeah. You know? Okay. Yeah. Makes sense. It's a double V2, which makes me even happier. Whenever I can get a double letter in there, I smile. But <laughs> you're, you know, you're dancing around all of the ones, even the ones you're not getting right. You're dancing around it. Let's see if we can put those two left feet together and yeah, right direction here. We got one question left at the half. Okay. It is going to be worth four points. It is our around the world question. Spin that globe and let's see what we can come up with. Located just over 450 miles from Seoul. What city's name means ruler of the East and was cut off from foreign commercial contact after World War II all the way through the 1990s? Hmm. Okay. 450 miles from Seoul. So it must be somewhere in the Pacific Ocean. Um, so, but not too far from Korea. Ruler of the East. Now I'm just trying to think of cities that start with V that have come up in history. I mean, it it makes me think that it was very important during World War II. So um, just kind of going through things that I can remember from World War II um, in that area. The Pacific Theater in World War II is not um, what I studied the most. So I am coming up with almost nothing. Um, over there, there's like Iwo Jima, Guadalcanal. You know, I'm just not, I, I got nothing here. I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna say Venus. Venus, sure. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it could be, sure, absolutely. <laughs> Uh, Venus probably, I mean, you know, I mean, Mercury further away than Venus, so, <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, unfortunately Venus, as you know, not the right. answer and Vietnam a little too far uh-huh. for, for this. Uh, if you were thinking it was perhaps us like Hanoi, Hanoi, Vietnam, it could have mm-hmm. been, I suppose. Uh, so this city was isolated for all those years because, uh, during World War II, it was this country's primary military base uh, of operations on the Pacific and afterwards well they just kind of kept it and mm-hmm. said stay out people <laughs> we don't want you here don't know nothing to see here don't look okay uh, because uh, the majority of this country's troops were of course on the European front because the country's just that darn big we're talking about a Russian city uh, Volstock. Vladivostok. Vladivostok. Yeah, I wasn't going to get there. That's okay. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Surprisingly, the Russians were not keen on letting uh, foreigners into their military bases to, like, uh, walk around. uh, You don't say. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Go figure. But, uh, yeah. So, uh, there you go. Theater. (laughs) Eight points in that round still. You know, if you only get one question right in a round. Getting the highest scoring one is is key to success. I'm going to take those eight points, add them to the eight points you had coming into the round, which puts you at a very healthy 16 points uh, as we head into the half. Here is how halftime works, Julia. As you know, it is our only partial credit question of the game. I am going to ask you the question, and then we're going to pause for a brief word from our non-existent sponsors. And then when we come back from that break... Uh, hopefully you'll be able to come up with uh, as many correct answers as possible to the following question. Here is said question. Uh, and for this question, I am saying otherwise. This question, uh, you do not have to use uh, the V rule for the answers to this question. Okay. 
because the V is in the question itself, I was trying to think of all these exciting bands for a music question uh, with V. And, well, really, it begins and ends with Van Halen, quite frankly. <laughs> there aren't many. Uh, yeah. Well, on March 34th, 1984, Van Halen's jump was knocked out of the top spot on the Billboard charts after a five-week stay at number one. It was knocked out by Kenny Loggins and the song Footloose. Julia, for two points each, I need for you to name for me any five of the other eight artists who were in that week's top ten. Again, this is the week of March 31st, 1984. Take a little bit of time to think about your answers to this question. And we'll be back after the break. If you'd like to support Beat My Guest, helping to make more episodes like this possible, please consider becoming a patron. Just like Adam, Tamara, Tony, and many others who have joined since the start of the season. Check out patreon.com slash beatmyguest for details. And now back to me for the second half of this week's episode. And welcome back to Beat My Guest. My guest this week is Julia Novakovic. And when we last left Julia, she was sitting on a very healthy 16 points working on the following halftime bonus question... On March 31st, 1984, Van Halen's Jump was knocked out of the top spot on the Billboard charts after a five-week stay at number one. The song that did that dirty deed was Kenny Loggins' Footloose. For two points each, I have asked Julia to name for me any five of the other eight artists who sat in that week's top ten. Julia, whenever you're ready, let me know what you got. I have to say, I have I wasn't alive at this point in time. <laughs> Close, but not yet. Um, no, and, don't, I don't feel old at all. No, yeah, not at all. In <laughs> um, 80s music, again, not a Julia topic on the Misinformation Podcast. This is definitely better suited to Lauren. So when she's on your episode, you have asked her like country music questions. There you or, go. That was going to be my question. Yeah. It's like, what, what, what's her bugaboo? <laughs> Ta- Taylor Swift um, and country music <laughs> from the 1990s, especially prime country music. All right, so 1980s artist. Um, I know for sure I'm going with Michael Jackson. I'm just kind of jumping off that Kenny Loggins and going with Hall and Oates. I can't remember if Madonna was around yet in 1984, um, but I'll go with Madonna. And then I'm just trying to picture like what was big on MTV in the 1980s um, at this point. So I will also go with. I'll go with uh, Guns N' Roses, and how about ACDs? <laughs> well, those are, those are five bands. Those are bands, <laughs> yep. Absolutely, and there's no shame in coming close. I mean, uh, it's a tough question. Absolutely. Uh, you, you know the gist of the, uh, the time period, so uh, <laughs> I will say uh, way too early for Guns N' Roses. <laughs> Way too early for Guns N' Roses. Guns okay. N' Roses. Hey, well, I, I shouldn't even say way too early. Uh, I was a senior in high school. It was 1988. So 87 probably was when okay. people started hearing them. So you're not, I mean, it's not ridiculously off, but uh, early, early for them. Let us go over the uh, answers and see how many you got. Starting at number 10 on the charts, a little band called Culture Club with the song Miss Me Blind. Oh, I don't know that song. I know you miss me. I know you miss me. I know you miss me. Blind. Yes, indeed. What a hit. Yeah, well. 
you know, it was a little bit of style over substance in the 80s, I will say. <laughs> <laughs> Those videos really helped. Uh, number nine on the list. Not a very good song from a, from a group that actually has a lot of good songs. Uh, this was a song called Adult Education. That is indeed Hall & Oates, however. That's two points yeah, for you. Yeah, great. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You got it. Uh, number eight. Again, not, not a good song. Not a good song. <laughs> Incidentally, this group had a hit with a song also called Jump, parentheses for my love. Oh, the it's the Pointer, Pointer Sisters. Sisters. Yes, the Pointer okay. Sisters. This song on the, uh, at number eight was automatic. Okay. Really bad. <laughs> really, really bad. But they were uh, good at pointing. So yes, and you're my sister. You're my sister. You're my sister. Uh, <laughs> ain't that the Ruth? Oh, it's a bad pun. Anyway, number seven on the list. Going solo. Uh, this would be Phil Collins, Sans Genesis. Uh, this was uh, a song from the uh, movie Against All Odds. Parentheses. Take a look at me now. Is okay. the uh, but the official title was Against All Odds. I like that song, but I like Phil Collins. He was one of my faves. Genesis is my favorite band, so, you know, it would go without saying. Uh, number six on the list, I Want a New Drug. That would be Huey Lewis and the News. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's, who, uh, that's who else I would have thought of if I kept thinking about Kenny Loggins and Hall & Oates. I would have also gone to Huey Lewis and the News. Absolutely. They're all kind of in the same clump in my brain. And, and and clumped together on this list as well. Number five, uh, that was a hit by a very unusual singer, Cindy Lauper, with Girls Just Want to Have Fun. Yes, it was the mm-hmm. debut of Cindy. Coming in at number four, Here Comes the Rain Again, Falling on My Head Like a Tragedy, Falling on My Head Like a New Emotion. And yes, if those uh, lyrics sound repetitive, it's because that's the Eurythmics in a nutshell. <laughs> mm-hmm. Here comes the rain again. Their follow-up to Sweet Dreams. Parentheses are made of these. Parentheses. Uh, number three uh, was Van Halen with Jump. And uh, number one, of course, we said was Footloose. The last song on the list. It's a song by a, a guy who really had no talent. <laughs> he, he just happened to have a father who owned Motown. <laughs> Uh, he performed under the name Rockwell. Oh yeah, and that the name always the song, watching, always watching me. Song. Somebody's watching somebody's me. Watching me. However, because the only reason this song hit as high as it did on the charts was because the backing vocal was an uncredited Michael Jackson. I will give you half credit. Thank you. Because he, I mean, really, the song is only there because of Michael Jackson. I will give you one point. Michael Jackson did have a hit at the time. A thriller had fallen down to number 15 at that point, so he was on the charts. Uh, so certainly, right again, right a time period for you there. Uh, yeah, just, yeah, it was it was still a weird time. John Lennon, Christine McVie was on, Dan Fogelberg was still having hits, Queen, and then yet, yeah, yeah, also had, you know, these. 80s people like Howard Jones and the Thompson Twins. It was, a yeah. very, it was an eclectic period. It was a transitional uh, uh, fossil of some what sort. What a year. Indeed. But, you know, I was 14, so it's the music that stuck with me. <laughs> That's why I know all this crap. Of course, of course. <laughs> yeah, just like 1997 is like forever, like that's what music is to me. <laughs> indeed, indeed. Well, Three points. Three points in that round. Hey, you were thanks. not shut out. Hey, hey. Yeah. It's not a shut out. It's That's always all good. I can hope for. Absolutely. So, 
16 going in. 19 coming out. No, 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 19. 19. No, 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 19. Do you know that song? Do you know that song? I don't know that oh, song. Oh, Hard Castle 19. Anyway, anyway. Mm. Uh, it was a spoken word song about the, the war. <laughs> Vietnam War protest song is spoken word. But uh, he would go, no, 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 19, 19. In Vietnam, it was 19, 19. <laughs> wow. Soldiers, yeah. Whew. I only bring that up because it's the V episode. Otherwise, I probably would have let that go. But <laughs> <laughs> Anywho, let's move on quickly, quickly, quickly to round three. And the point value is they're going to stay the same, two, four, six, and eight. But those categories, well, they're going to have to change, aren't they? And we're going to change them to first up, Fungo. Fungo is up first. We're going to follow it up with movies. Move along to what comes next. And we're going to wrap up round three with sports. But Fungo is on tap now. Two, four, six, or eight. I did pretty well at your one day on Fungo. And then every time I've played along on the podcast, I have not gotten them right. So I think I will I will give it this a six. Six points for Fungo. Excellent. Yeah. I hope that you are able to answer correctly, as always, the Fungo. Three clues, all pointing to the same singular answer. Here we go. With clue number one, a duchess in Australia. Clue number two, Canada's Denise Matthews. And clue number three, character whose English name translates to Strumpf Coquette in French. Oh, boy. Can you spell Strumpf Coquette for me? Sure, I'll try. (laughs) (laughs) Strumpf. I mean, it's spelled like it sounds. Okay. Duh. S-C-H-T-R-O-U-M-P-F. And now that I'm looking at that, I mean, couldn't couldn't we just call our our current president that? (laughs) Yeah, I was wondering how this was spelled. Okay, um, Duchess in Australia, Canada's Denise Matthews. It would probably help if I knew who Denise Matthews was. Um, and a character whose English name translates to Strumpf Coquette. Okay, like I said, I'm kind of good at French sometimes. Um, right now, this word is really reminding me of like a Smurf, like Strumpf, uh, like that could be the names of that should be what they called the Smurfs in um, France or something. Um, coquette is like f- flirt or um, like girly. So like if I'm going along the lines of Smurf, um, you have like Smurfette is like the one girl Smurf, but I don't know what her name is. A duchess in Australia. So this could be someone that lives there or someone that visits there. Now I'm just talking. Yeah, Denise Matthews. Okay. Canada's Denise Matthews. Vic. Like Victory or Victoria. Or I'm just now I'm just naming ladies' names, Violet, Viola. I'm just gonna pick Denise Matthews. Nope, still doesn't mean anything to me <laughs> after the seventh time I've looked at it. Um, I'm just gonna go with Violet. Violet is your answer. Oh, I am in such 
pain and agony here. <laughs> I I really am. You are going to kick yourself for this one. Okay. All right. Because the character whose English name translates to Strumpf Coquette, as you correctly surmised, Strumpf is Smurf. Uh-huh. And the V-Smurf, who was always staring in the mirror and wondering how pretty he was, is Vanity Smurf. Oh, okay. Canada's Denise Matthews is the singer who performed under the name Vanity. Uh, she was uh, uh-huh. involved with Prince, amongst many other musicians. Uh, okay. Um, and uh, she had her own her own group. Van- she had her own group called Vanity Six. They had a hit with uh, Nasty Girl. Do you think I'm a nasty girl? And she also was at one point engaged to Nikki Six from Motley Crue. So she left Vanity Six and she said, "And I'm going to be Vanity Six again, but by myself." <laughs> She was sassy. Uh, and that uh, bathroom uh, cabinet mm-hmm. that, that the mirror sits upon in your bathroom in Australia is called a duchess. <gasps> a duchess <sighs> is a vanity. Okay. Wow. I'm learning so much tonight. <laughs> and you're learning that I'm very bad at music. <laughs> Nevertheless, you're really good at cartoon characters uh, with French uh, translations and... I, you know, you, Smurfette's name is just Smurfette, but uh-huh. <laughs> very close, very close. Close, it's okay. But, but I, I, I am from now on going to refer to our, our, our president as as Strumpf Coquette, because it applies. <laughs> uh, <laughs> what did Strumpf Coquette say today? <laughs> it's a complete opposite of Bigly, so it's great. Uh, <laughs> movies. Let's move on to movies, please. Help me, rescue me. Uh, <laughs> You have two points. You have four points. You have eight points. What say you for movies? Let's go four on movies. Four on movies. Good luck. And here's your question. Actor James Purefoy may be best known for a role he didn't play as he quit what movie because he hated his character's costume? Okay. Um, so he quit the movie. So a movie with a costume... In a V movie. I mean, the first V movie that comes to mind for me is V for Vendetta. And I guess that that character does wear a a character in V for Vendetta. Wears like a mask and a costume. So, uh, yeah, I'll say V for Vendetta. V for Vendetta. I mean, it is the V episode. So, uh, certainly having the double V there certainly applies. Uh, So, actor James Purefoy... He's not exactly a household name, although he uh, was on HBO's Rome and played Mark Antony in that, uh, and currently is starring as Hap in Hap and Leonard, which is uh, one of them, uh, how we say, critical faves. Um, but yeah, uh, James Purfoy started, uh, filmed a bunch of scenes for this, this movie, and uh, had a freak out because he was hot, he was uncomfortable, and he said, and you're not even going to see my freaking face because I wear a mask the whole movie. He just quit. And they said they got Hugo Weaving on the phone and said, "Would you like to do this?" And I think he did a really good job for a movie that I really liked. V for Vendetta. Oh, well yeah. done. Thank you. Yes. In a movie the... question. <laughs> I mean, if it's got Portman, I'm going to watch it. Let's let's be honest. <laughs> <laughs> you got the points. Well done. Four Yay. points for you. you. So far, I mean, this is round three. You have not been shut out in any round. Uh, I, I mean, I'm not setting up any jinx for round four. No, no, that's not yeah, what I'm doing. Thanks. Or am I? <laughs> uh. 
Uh, what comes next, Julia? Well, what comes next comes next. So what comes next from you is what your wager is on what comes next. Is it the two or the eight? Hmm. You know what? I'll do two on this. Two points. On what comes next. Two points on what comes next. I don't know how uh, how your sports acumen is, but uh, I, th- I think two was probably wise on this one. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying, uh, even I, I was like, ooh, this is a pretty hard one. <laughs> Great. Hey. Some of them got to be hard. <laughs> true. I mean, I gave you a V movie that the answer was basically V. <laughs> <laughs> but you wouldn't have accepted V. No, no, I wouldn't. <laughs> Nevertheless, here is your two-point what comes next question. Viverid. That's V-I-V-E-R-R-I-D. Viverid. Vichyswas. Vinaigrette. What comes next? Hmm. All right. I have no idea what Viverid is. No idea. Uh, Vichyssoise is cold fish soup. Vinaigrette is like a dressing. I don't know if this is like a list of... (laughs) If this is like a recipe or like a snapshot of a cookbook... Or like, uh, Viverid. All right. So if I'm just kind of looking for food that starts with a V that is possibly also French. Um, with V, you get Erico Vert. Pretty much anything with green would be Vert something. Doing that thing where I just write a letter and put a bunch of letters next to it and see if something pops. I mean, the only... <laughs> And now that I got stuck on Vert, I can't think of anything else. I'll I'll say Arico Vert. Arico Vert. That would be, oh, what, green beans? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I took French. <laughs> <laughs> he said with such confidence, because clearly it, that, that's the right answer. I have Arico Vert written right here. Oh, <laughs> so that, wonderful. Uh, we don't even need to go over anything. Next oh, question. Uh, next question. Uh, <laughs> yeah, except, except <laughs> a, a Viverid is a small mammal also known as a civet. Okay. Small little mammal. This is one of those what comes next that I, I thought definitely that, you know, the, the bait here is that with vichyssoise and vinaigrette that you're going to go down food. Uh-huh. Those people are not going to know what viverid is. However, uh, viverid is a word that starts with V and has a double R in it. Mm-hmm. It is the longest word of that nature. Uh, okay. Vichyssoise is... One of the longest words with a V and a double S. Okay. Vinaigrette, V and a double T. <sighs> Can I tell you what it is now? Yeah. Is it vacuum? It is vacuum, <laughs> vacuuming, va- vacuumed. Yes. I was okay. looking for a V word with a double U. Not a W, but a double yeah. slash U. Okay. And, and there are there are really only about eight words in the English language uh-huh. that, that have double U's in them at all. And vacuum is the only V word. So uh, other than its other forms. Vacuum was the answer here. It was a tough one. Uh, video cassettes has a double S and a double T. It starts with V. But if I had used that, that would have thrown off the whole thing because I wanted to yeah, end it. And, and, yeah, I wasn't going to have a V double Q, so it, it just didn't work. Yeah, that was a good. That was a good trick. <laughs> Sometimes they're wordplay. What could I say? <laughs> Got to mix it up a little. Can't always be. Oh, yeah. Well, he was actor. He was uh, president after him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Interesting. Uh, no, I, like I said, I knew that was a tough one. Yeah. I knew. I knew. I commend you for coming up with an answer at all and not throwing in the towel. <laughs> sports. Sports. All right. Eight. Sports. 
Eight, mm-hmm. eight points for sports. Are you ready for this one? I can, I'm as ready as I could possibly be. I, I guarantee you'll be able to come up with at least a guess. if you. At know. least an answer. Okay. Yes. In what is generally considered to be the greatest upset in the history of men's college basketball, in 1982, Tiny Chaminade, a school with just over 2,000 undergrads, defeated what undefeated school ranked at the time number one in the AP poll? So undefeated, like so some good college basketball teams. Did you say 1982? 1982. 1982. All right. Uh, you got Villanova. You got various things in Virginia, like Virginia Tech and UVA. I mean, Villanova is a good basketball school from what I remember. Uh, yeah. You know, I'm just going to go Villanova. All right. Villanova. Villanova is a good basketball school and was a good basketball school throughout uh, a good portion of the 80s. Absolutely. Uh, you know, you had basically narrowed it down to about three or four schools there. Uh, uh-huh. <laughs> basically, right? V. Uh, although, you know, could have been could have been West Virginia as well. Uh, True. It's got to be in it as well. Uh, Valparaiso. It's, it's oh, a tiny, ooh, it's a tiny okay. school. Uh, so, yeah, but this game... The thing about this game is that uh, Chaminade, this little tiny school, it's not even in the NCAA. Uh, it, at the time, it was in the NAIA, which is just a s- smaller schools organization. Because, like I said, they only had 2,000 students. Mm-hmm. But they're in Hawaii. They're, they're in Honolulu. Okay. And so every year around Christmas time, they host this tournament where they invite the really good teams from the mainland, and they're more than happy to come and have a little Hawaiian vacation. Sure. And the best team in the tournament usually gets to beat up on little tiny Chaminade because they usually did. <laughs> um, but in 1982, the number one team in the country, like, not just number one in the, in the country, undefeated number one in the country, there was no television at this game. Like, this game was going to be a 50-point blowout. Nobody was in the stands. There was no, there's no very little video of this game even because nobody cared. There was, uh-huh. was clearly it was going to be... The game ended like three in the morning East Coast time, so nobody even knew for a couple of days because there wasn't the internet uh-huh. back then. And then when the people started hearing, like, wait a second, Shamanad won? Shamanad beat them 77-72? And they, they beat them. They like they really put a hurting on wow. them. This school had the three-time player of the year coming back for a fourth year, Ralph Sampson. I mean, this was a great team, and they lost to these nobodies. They are the Virginia Cavaliers, the University of Virginia. I wrote it down and didn't go with it. You said it. It was one of your options there. Uh But yeah, this, I mean, literally nobody was there. Nobody watched. And yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Since then, uh, they they still host the tournament. And they were were actually, uh, they've pulled off a few upsets of of the good teams. But Mm -hmm. usually they go three and out. They lose all three. But occasionally they win a game. So it. It's never going to win a game like that, though. Yeah. Well, at least they got to go to Hawaii, you know? Exactly. Good You know, and they made it, you know, they made it to the NCAA tournament. It didn't, like, destroy their season. It was just an embarrassing loss. A blip on the radar. Yeah. As was that wrong answer for you, because you're going to rebound from that uh, eight-point disaster and and come right on back in round four, because you got four points in that round. I'm going to add the four to the 19 you had coming into the round. 23. A really good score. Really good score. I like to say, if you can get twenty five on this show, you're you've hit that bar. You're right there. You're you're within striking distance. And all of the questions in round four are going to get you there because the point values increased to three, five, seven, and nine. And here are the categories we're going to be using in round four. We're going to kick things off with science, 
We're going to follow that up with the mashup. Move along to Who Done It? And we're going to wrap up round four and the second half with television. Science is up first, three, five, seven, or nine. Um, I'll do five for science. Five points for science. Good luck. Here you go. Bexero, Hyberix, Penticel, and Twinrix are all members of what government classification? I'm trying to figure out if they are companies or products um, or just some type of item. Uh, Bexero, Hybrex, Penticel, Twinrix, members of what government classification? Penticel sounds like a battery of some sort, like a five cells. (laughs) (laughs) Penticels, five cells. All right. um, Members of what government classification? So government classification would make me think that it's something like guessing, but like a a hazardous material or uh, like something that's restricted that kind of leads me away from it being a company of the sort. Um, maybe it's like a a drug. I really, there's, uh, I'm not really getting anything. And, oh, we already talked about venomous snakes earlier. <laughs> 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 so let's stay away from that. Like a government classification. I, I don't have, I don't have anything here. I'm going to say just... We do this on our podcast sometimes, and sometimes we get answers out of it. So, I don't know. I guess the only thing that looks like anything to me is Pentasol for like a battery. So, I'm going to say like a a voltaic, a a voltaic. Yeah. A voltaic. I, I, it sounded like you were going to turn it into the, a vulture. <laughs> Teach me something here, AJ. I have no idea what any of this means. Sure. Well, <laughs> these are all three out of the four have have X's in them because uh-huh. uh, you know those are fun letters that you often see in your TV commercials for uh, medical uh, supplements or uh, things of that nature. Okay. They, they, they all have X's or Z's or Q's in them. Or Varsiga, <laughs> Levitra, <laughs> for Zell, Zelljans, all those kind of things. Uh, these are all listed on the governmental list of approved vaccines. Oh, okay. Indeed. Interesting. I could have could have gone with Gardasil, but that might have given it away. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, I haven't had to get a vaccine in many years, and there's nobody in my house right now that needs one. So, yeah, I wouldn't have come across these just organically, but it's good to know. It's it's good to know. And, of course, uh, if you ever have a Jenny McCarthy in your house and you want to get rid of her, just you know, make sure you have some of your uh, Twin Ricks or Hybrix ready. <laughs> Pull out your Penticel and she'll go running. <laughs> At least we can hope. <laughs> yeah, right. I liked your your, your vocalization. <laughs> <laughs> Very well. We're going to move on to the mashup here. Hopefully, you'll do better with this one. We have three. We have seven. We have nine. What are you going to use for the mashup? I'll do three on the mashup. Three of the mashup. She said coyly. <laughs> <laughs> As you know, this is two answers smooshed together by a common word or syllable. And here 
is your three-point mashup. The actor who played Stringfellow Hawk would often take his helicopter for a spin when most of the constellations were visible in the evening. Boy, it sure would be helpful if I knew who Stringfellow Hawk was, wouldn't it? Uh, yeah, that probably would um, give you at least a leg up. <laughs> like the you know the crux of this mashup here. Um, Stringfellow Hawk. That sounds like a Dickens character. Would take his helicopter out for a spin when constellations were visible in the evening. What do we have in the evening? We have twilight. We have dusk. We have things would have to be like a clear night to see the stars. Stringfellow Hawk. The famous detective, <laughs> superhero, uh, pilot. I mean, I'm really glad I only put three on this. So a helicopter is a chopper, a whirly gig. Ooh, a whirly gig. That's good. Um, Quick, write that down for the W yeah. episode. <laughs> <laughs> Chopper. Okay, so what are types of choppers? You got a uh, ch- nope Cherokee chalk. One of those. Gosh, this is just this is, isn't my question. I'm trying to think of actors whose names begin with V. Vincent Victor Farr. And Wilder. <laughs> God, you know, I just don't have a single thing. I don't I don't know any of this. I don't know. AJ, I call uncle. Or <laughs> throw the towel, know. man. Yeah. Throw the towel. Yeah. <laughs> uh yeah. This is a hard one. This was absolutely a hard one. So let's let's see if we can back back work. Okay. Back work. Yeah. So most of the constellations were visible in the evening which means that it was a very starry night. Okay. Which mm-hmm. means that, uh, yeah. So you're so. saying Vincent Van go fly on a starry night or something? Yeah, something like that. So you, you were right. We're looking for an actor named Vincent who was going to mash up with the Vincent Van Gogh part. Okay. Uh, Stringfellow Hawk was the uh, main character on a TV show about a helicopter. And, uh, you know, there was a stretch there uh, okay. of time where, where television shows were all about the vehicle. So you had Knight Rider with, with, mm-hmm. with, the, with the supercar. And you had Riptide where they had a speedboat. And you had Airwolf, where they had this mega helicopter, and Stringfellow Hawk was on Airwolf with the with the mega helicopter, uh, and uh, Ernest Borgnine was on this show. Uh, we're not looking at him. Wow, we're at, when was this? Eighties. Uh, okay. <laughs> and this was an actor by the name of Jan Michael Vincent. So okay. we were looking for Jan, Jan Michael, Michael Vincent Van Gogh. Oh. Yes. Wow. <laughs> you got me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Ernest Borgnine. <laughs> uh, a very old Ernest Borgnine. Uh-huh. And he still was nowhere near his, his demise. <laughs> Gosh. <laughs> yeah. So super it was he was a super helicopter and and it was it fought crimes. <laughs> see, now, now they were. See, now they care about the job. Like, you know, are you a navy lawyer? That's or, true. You know, a doctor. Yeah. Back then, it was like, what? 
what's the gimmick? What's what's the... so you had like I said, you had Knight Rider, you had Riptide, you had uh, Airwolf, you had Manimal, uh, where Simon oh. McCorkdale would actually transform into different animals. <laughs> <laughs> you had Baywatch. Baywatch on the beach, sure. <laughs> Run in slow motion. Yeah, the yeah, their life preserver. That's what that show was yes, about, right? Yes. Yeah, sure. Mm-hmm. The Hopi craft. <laughs> <laughs> I believe you were looking for Chinook earlier as a type of yeah uh, yeah Chinook. I was I would have got there. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I would have said something, but you were so down the wrong path. I just said you know, yeah, it didn't matter. Mm-hmm. Let her go. <laughs> <laughs> let her go. She'll walk around the earth and come back to where she started eventually. <laughs> All right. You know what? You didn't get that question. No. Two in a row this round, but you have left the two highest scoring uh, questions still on the table. That is good news. Let's see if we can get one of those under our belt with Who Done It? Seven or nine? Seven, please. Seven for Who Done It? Good luck. Here is your question. After sailing on the Sao Gabriel to Mozambique, he continued on to India, where he immediately offended the local leadership and had to flee. Only about one third of his crew ended up making it back home. Who Done It? Okay. So we're thinking about some sailors. We're thinking about some explorers whose names start with V. Uh, the first one that comes to my mind is Amerigo Vespucci. You know, that guy <laughs> that our country's named after. Vasco da Gama starts with a V. Sao Gabriel to Mozambique. He went to India, offended everybody, and then only came back with a third of his crew. Um, you know what? I'll, I'll, Take a wild swing and go with Vespucci. Amerigo Vespucci is the wild swing. You are taking in, as you correctly stated, the Amerigo Vespucci, uh, you know, gave his name to a little country that no longer exists. Hey, (laughs) (laughs) think about 50-50s is that 50% of the time you end up just going, no, Mm -hmm. it's the other one. So Mozambique, uh, is, of course, was settled by the Portuguese and uh, begun the Portugal. The Sao Gabriel Portuguese ship, about a third of the crew, made it back to Portugal under the uh, captainage of one Vasco da Gama. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. All right. That's fine. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah. I just feel so, oh, it's like when I get so close to it and I don't get it, that's when it feels the worst. <laughs> you see, and, and the problem is, is that this wasn't even the trip where he discovered the Cape yeah. of Good Hope. So, you know, how could you possibly hope to get, <laughs> oh, hope is lost, yes. <sighs> so close, so close. So well, close. We have one question left. All right. It is nine points. It is the big one. It's the big one, Elizabeth. It is the big one, Julia. Nine points for television. Are you ready? I'm ready. Here is your nine-point television question. Irwin Allen created what 1960s show about a submarine called Seaview? The cinematography of its frequent underwater sequences ended up winning multiple Emmys for its innovative camera work. Man, I really don't know any 1960s television shows, do I? All right. Um, 1960s show with a submarine called Seaview. So a, sh- so a show with a V. 
<laughs> submarine. Uh, we did kind of just talk about a bunch of shows <laughs> where the vehicles were the star. Uh, none of them. You didn't say this one, though. Um, really? <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately. So, V, you got vehicle. You got... Mm, what if it's like initials or something? Then I'm never going to get it. Like a very deep undersea uh, submarine. Vidas. I'm going to stick around that. I'm going to stick around that letter. Voyage, Voyager, Sea View, View, Viewmaster, the famous show about submarines. Voyage to the center of the earth. I'll just I'll just say Voyager and wave the white flag. <laughs> wave the white flag. So Erwin Allen was a film director and he created some television shows and he was known for the big spectacle. He was known for he did the the Poseidon adventure where okay. he actually flipped a ship upside down, right. the towering inferno, burning down an entire skyscraper. Uh, and he did a movie version of this television show. It started off as a movie. And so he had built the entire set of the submarine. So when he pitched television, he said, look, I've got the set. You don't uh -huh. have to build anything. And so they had these sequences that you would not believe of just people walking through, almost like a Sorkin-esque walking through okay. a submarine kind of thing. And they would do all these underwater shots. He had these cameramen who, like, really, they were able to shoot things underwater. And with his use of models and stuff, he was able, it looked really good, especially for the 60s where, you know, you, mm -hmm. you didn't really have the special effects. Uh, he had done other television shows like Lost in Space, uh, Land of the Giants, The Time Tunnel. But uh, this one about the submarine was the one that uh, lasted the longest. And, oh, you were so close. You were so close. They did not voyage to the center of the Earth. This was the voyage to the bottom of the sea. <sighs> mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. In a submarine, you see. <laughs> <laughs> All right. See, we yeah. jinxed it. We jinxed this round. No, no. If it was Jules okay. Verne, which is also mm -hmm. Jules, Jules Verne was Journey to the Center. Of the yeah, Earth. yeah. Might have been a conflation there. Where I was there. going. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> well, that's okay. That's all right. It's okay. You know, and and I'm not saying that my powers of of voodoo were working, but apparently they were. <laughs> uh -huh. Unfortunately, round four, no no points for you. But still, I'm looking at a score of twenty three here. Still pretty good. And we're not done yet. No, no. Get back in the hot seat. We're not done yet. It is time for the confidence question. Your last chance to try and improve your final score. Only one question is before you, Julia. Only one answer is required. I will give you the category. And you must, must wager between one and ten points. Get it right. And I will add it to your score. And happily so. Glad to do it. But if you get it wrong, Julia. If you get it wrong... I am going to send you to the Stroop Village and sick Azriel and Gargamel on you as they chase you all over going All the sounds that I've gotten to make. So, as you know, folks, this season I have asked my Hot Seat residents to Propose three potential categories for me to choose from that they are feeling particularly confident in. 
Julia has graciously complied. I have deviously selected the one that I like the best. So I ask you on a scale of 1 to 10, Julia, how confident are you in nursery rhymes? You know, I feel pretty good about nursery rhymes today. Um, I mean, I'm. you said 25 was a good score. Um, I'll, wish, I'll wager four, four in points. hopes that I can get to lucky number 27. It's perfectly reasonable. Doesn't sound very confident, but it's perfectly reasonable. <laughs> <laughs> Could you just ask me what Mary had? <laughs> Please. <laughs> Maybe if this was the L episode, but it is not. Mm-hmm. All right. Good luck. Here is your four-point confidence question in Nursery Rhymes. London Bridge is falling down. Falling down. Falling down. We all know that Nursery Rhyme. It dates back for hundreds of years, although its exact origin is unclear. However, one theory is that the falling down is the result of what in the year 1014? 1014. All right, England, what do you got? What could have happened? We could have had an earthquake. Ooh, a volcano. A volcanic eruption in... England in 1014. How about that as a as a guess? So this is before the Norman invasion. We didn't really have a lot of things written down from the 11th century before that. So I can't think of anything really um, around this. When is the, the Bayou Tapestry is around a little later than 1014, which was my final Jeopardy answer on my one episode of Jeopardy. So I don't put it past you to use a, a previous answer against me for some reason. One of my problems is that once I get stuck on a word, it's really hard for me to <laughs> peel off and accept that uh, I should be looking at another letter or another word when I'm writing stuff down. So I said <laughs> volcanic eruption earlier, and you know what? That's going to be my answer. Volcanic eruption. So you, you, have you ever watched the, the television show QI? No. It's, uh, it's a British show. It used to be uh, hosted by Stephen Fry, and now uh-huh. it's hosted by Sandy Togsvig. And it's, it's, it's kind of a... Uh, it's a pseudo game show. There's four okay. celebrities, and they they ask them trivia facts, and uh, you know you buzz in. And, uh, there's one answer that, uh, or multiple answers for each question, but usually one answer that they have deemed the producers have deemed this is the obvious wrong answer. And when you say that answer, they send off sirens, whoop, whoop, mm-hmm. whoop, and you lose points uh-huh. as opposed to just not getting it right. Usually when I write questions, I like to think in my head, what is what is the whoop, whoop? Yeah. And volcanic eruption <laughs> was definitely the one that I would have pegged for the noise here. All right. Uh, so don't feel bad because, again, that's the one I kind of was... I like to have that, that one that I expect people to get and, yep. and get wrong. It's not the correct answer. Um, you know, they don't know, obviously, the source of this. There's just a lot of theories. Uh, one of them is that the whole... Uh, falling down is important it's how it was built up and that they use the bones of children which makes it really dark oh gosh yeah uh, yeah well you know nursery rhymes are usually dark in some way <laughs> however in the 1800s this guy found uh, an old norse saga called the heimskringla 
And there is a verse in there that is very similar. He translated it, uh, and it's very similar to London Bridge is falling down, and it tells of London Bridge being destroyed by Olaf II of Norway. And so the belief is that it's falling down because of an attack by Vikings. Vikings. Yes. Vikings is the answer. Okay. Isn't that interesting? I thought it was interesting. <laughs> when I was in the UK um, over the fall last year, and we did like a ghost walk in York, and the go- um, the leader of the of the ghost tour was telling us all these stories about how people would um, see a Viking walk in and out of a building and across the courtyard, and people thought it was like part of this like Viking experience thing that was down the street, but no, it was really a spirit who walked through the walls and. You know, so I've I've had that mild association with Vikings um, stuck in my head, but I did not pull it out tonight. Oh yeah, well, we we have that happen in Minnesota all the time, but you know they're just a football team. <laughs> I cannot give you the points. No, I have can't. to take them away. However, you know what? Nineteen for your first time in the hot seat—that's still pretty good. And you know what? The points don't really matter. What's important to me is that. I had a great time. I hope that you had a great time. Well, I had a wonderful time. Before I evict you from the hot seat, is there anything you'd like to plug? Maybe a podcast that you host again to remind people to listen to it or, or, you know, anything. It's your time. The time, as it is, is yours. Yeah. So um, my friend Lauren, who I've been referencing all podcasts long, um, she and I are the co-hosts of Misinformation, a trivia podcast. So we're a weekly podcast. We kind of pick a topic each week and do a deep dive. Um, We take turns doing a topic. And then at the end of the episode, we do a 10 question quiz, which may or may not be related to the topic uh, we just discussed. So um, I think we have a lot of fun. It's really um, fun hearing from listeners and meeting people who learn about us through other podcasts. And we love, you know, going on other podcasts and and meeting everybody in the trivia community. So um, it's been a really, you know, really cool thing that we've been up to. So yeah. Thank you so much for having me. uh, It's my pleasure. Thank you for uh, agreeing to go in, especially solo. I know you guys work as a team, but, you know, my format. It's Uh, true. But, uh, no, I I highly recommend uh, your podcast. I listen to it. And, uh, you know, what I love about the community that we've kind of formed here is that everyone does their own thing in their own way. And they're all different and they're different flavors, but they're all very tasty. And so. (laughs) Yeah, I think we do. I think we all do a very good job of not, like, duplicating efforts here. Like, everybody kind of has, you know, their own their own niche out there. There's plenty of room for us all. Yeah. Next week, Trivial Battle Fair. (laughs) (laughs) And then it's uh, Complete the Medley. (laughs) Right, right. And That Thing, That Thing, Birds. No, anyway. uh, Nothing but Katy Perry songs. Ooh, I'm sorry. Too soon? Still too soon, Lee? Still too soon for Lee. I'm sorry. (laughs) I'm sorry. Uh, Julia, thank you so much for being here. Now get out of my hot seat. (laughs) Thanks. Bye. And thank you all for listening. We will be back next week. Wouldn't you expect that? I think you should. We'll see you then. Take care. Bye bye. Did you beat our guest or did our guest beat you? Tell us all about it on Twitter at BMG pod. Also, please review and rate us on iTunes. And if you like what you've heard, spread the word. This has absolutely not been a Mark Goodson, Bill Todman production.